Thank you to our band for leading us this morning. And it's my privilege to share a message from God's Word and uh, to share in this together today as we learn from Acts chapter 11. You can follow along on screen or uh, if you've got a copy of the scriptures and you want to follow along. I'm going to read verses 1 to 18 out of the New Living Translation. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles, non-Jews, had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said. And while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision. And something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. Then I looked inside the sheet, and when I did, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds. And I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And this happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back up to heaven. Just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where I was staying. And the Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me. And we soon entered the home of a man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, someone send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. And as I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them and just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. And they said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. What a passage. As many of you know, we are following the lectionary, and this passage falls on today. Just to say, I read this this passage, and it makes me think of the Apostle Paul as someone who was raised in a Jewish tradition, who became a disciple and a follower of Jesus, and that God was knocking on the door of his heart and saying, I want you to open up to others. Christy and I and Christy's mom, Sandy, we were cohabiting in a duplex, and we had a young family. This was 19 years ago. And we, we built a home together that would finally merge living space with Sandy, my mother-in-law, and ourselves and we would be able to raise our kids there. But we did so, we bought a house at the very beginning of a new development. Sometimes you'll see new developments go up and there's like 
they, tr they trim off all the topsoil and put it at the end of a large tract of land. And then, they, uh, and then they start building house by house. Well, we were the first home to be built on the side of the street that we lived. And so all that we had to go on in terms of the neighborhood or community that we would be a part of was that sign. You know the signs that advertise new communities? And it's this sort of white picket fence vision of the world without giving too much away. And it's sort of like, you could move in here and this will be your life and you can, you can understand what it's going to be. So we moved into this brand new development. But you know what happens, like with any community? It's not the people that you imagine that you might have as neighbors, but it's actual people who are different from you. Lo and behold. And so like any new development, we've been there for 19 years, and most of the homes in this community have changed hands three and four times. I heard a statistic this past week that um, even though we might look at, at some as being insecure with housing, that those who are living within houses are still, there's mo intense mobility that on average, an American moves every four years. In the Canadian stat and in my own neighborhood, that almost lines up. The first wave was the most interesting. There was this disconnect from the picture and the real neighborhood. And so when I hear this text about Peter's vision and an encounter with Cornelius and a whole company coming from Caesarea, which... Peter was in a Jewish community when he got this vision and this knock at the door with not one, not two, but six people standing there going, Peter, come with us. And I wonder what was going through his mind at that point, that here are Gentiles. And our text is not only about this vision and Peter's ability to go to Caesarea and the wonderful things that we're going to unpack this morning. But if you're Peter, it's not a vision that he received, it's a nightmare. It's a horrible thought that he would be in the company of those that he would need to cleanse himself and repent of being with them. And so for him, this was, this was against his very uh, belief system. And, and this story is about Peter later, as we said, Peter went to Jerusalem to tell other Jewish believers what had happened. So this isn't even the story itself. This is Peter going back to his people like him who grew up Jewish. And then he's advocating for them and their inclusion. They're not like us. They're not Jews, but they're welcomed into God's community. What a beautiful thought and what a, a difficult journey that must have been. But just to show how strong these purity codes were for Jews, you can go and read Leviticus chapter 11 sometime. And it, it show, it's, a, it's a wild ride. Just read all these laws about what they could eat and what they couldn't eat and animals they could touch and those that were unclean. So all of that was rolling through Peter's mind as he got this vision. But here is what happened. Cornelius receives a word to send messengers to actually go to Peter. And God is giving Peter a message to receive them and to go with them to Caesarea. Now, that's incredible. 
But then Peter is telling these Jewish believers what happened. And, you know, it's not like they received and accepted the good news of Jesus, these Gentile believers, and Peter's telling them a story, and then all the Jewish believers go, wow, that's amazing, Gentile believers. They didn't even say that. And they didn't say, wow, that's incredible. Christians got persecuted and fled all over the land, and they continued to live out and share the faith of Jesus with new people. What an incredible story. Instead, they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised people. How dare you? You know our laws about who we're allowed to associate with and who we're not. So Peter repeats this whole vision. It's like a playback of chapter 10. Roll the tape, and he unpacks the whole thing. Now, just so you know, this walk from Joppa to Caesarea, I mapped it out on Google Maps this morning, on foot, would take about 12 and a half hours. So that's a full day's walk. So no wonder he, he welcomes these Gentile, uh, this, this group of people who are going to escort him, to Caesarea, and he says, well, come on in, stay the night, we'll take off tomorrow. And then they make a whole day's journey together. This is an important turning in the book of Acts. It's a turning point for the Christian movement that the salvation and life of Jesus and the opportunity to become a disciple or follower of Jesus is not limited to one race or religion, and it occurs after this disbursement of people who were persecuted that's recorded in Acts 6. And the trajectory goes out from Jerusalem to Gentile communities near and then farther and farther and farther. So where this section of scripture happens, chapters 9 through 12, it's like this big hinge or turning point. Up till now, it's been a Jewish-centered story. And now Peter is learning how to die to that Jewish-only vision so that the good news of the kingdom could be extended to all kinds of other people, to the Gentile world in Macedonia and Athens and Corinth and Ephesus and from Jerusalem to Caesarea and on to Rome. As I mentioned, Caesarea was a, a, a Hellenistic or Greek city and was of great importance at the time. And it was unlike Joppa. There were hardly any Jews there. And this is where Cornelius is and where Peter discovers that the Spirit of God has been given to him and that he can come and eat with them without defiling himself. The vision was life-changing for Peter. And he actually did what God asked him to do. Think of the courage that that takes sometimes when we're taught to not associate with certain people. But God gives us a prompt and we can follow through. The point is that he was directed by God's spirit to have fellowship with people that he formerly considered unclean. And you know, the laws may have changed in our world, but in our minds, if, if I'm honest, I still struggle with that. I don't look at everyone the same. And it's easy to begin to categorize people and to think about those that we would like to associate with and those that we would rather not. But here, rather than Peter saying, surely not, Lord, I don't want to eat anything impure, unclean. You know my heart's been pure. He accepts the challenge to say, even though I've come from that background, you're breaking that off in me. 
And I'm learning to see people as you see them. Now, there's one other interesting fact here is that we know that Peter invites these Gentiles into his home. And I want to look at just the contrast for a second, the difference between inviting Gentiles into his home or crossing over and receiving hospitality from Cornelius in a Gentile home. You see, Jews were taught to have their laws and their way of life, but they were also taught hospitality that they should welcome in the stranger. And this was part of their law as well. And so if it was in his turf, he was comfortable. And this reminds me of how Jesus taught and sent out the 12 and then the 72. He sent them out, not uh, with an invitation to come back to their home. He said, go, knock on doors in the community. Find people of peace. Go and sit with them and eat with them. This was Jesus' instruction and his methodology that we are the ones who are called as followers of Jesus to cross those lines and say the kingdom of God is near you, to be with people as they are, who they are, and to to actually function out of what we might call a comfort zone. And so Peter had to go through an inner transformation. I'd like us just to reflect on two aspects of that transformation today for ourselves. The first transformation is on how he sees other people. On how he sees other people. And this showed up back in in chapter 10, verse 34. Peter began to speak. It says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the people who fear him and do what is right. And the expression here of not showing favoritism actually comes out of some Hebrew words that mean lift a face. And and so the essence is that God doesn't look at some, look up at some and down at others. He looks at all of us equally. And Peter is coming to terms and saying, this is how God sees all of us on the same playing field. Peter, would you do the same? And what what a transformative thing that Peter would begin to see other people as, as God sees them. And we may still have people in our lives that has been a battle to get there, or we may be those people, <laughs> right, who are hard to love, but that we would understand how God looks at us all equally and begin to walk in that, that mutuality with one another. They were accepted even though they didn't go through the same religious rites of passage like the Jewish believers had circumcision. And yet, Peter could see them as God sees them. There's a song that has been um, powerful in my life and, and Christy's life. Christy actually introduced it to me. We heard it on a radio station um, not long ago. It's by a jazz artist named Gregory Porter. It's called Take Me to the Alley. And Gregory Porter grew up in California, in uh, a small city in California, and his mother was someone who served like in a community like Royal City Mission. And that was the, the foundation for him to write this song. But he also wrote it when the announcement was made, and he was living in New York City, and the announcement was made that Pope Francis was going to come and visit the city. And in that context, he writes about the people preparing for an important figure, talks about 
they gild their houses in preparation for the king. They line the sidewalks with every sort of shiny thing. But they will be surprised when they hear him say, take me to the alley. I want to go to the people who are disenfranchised, the disinherited ones, the ones who society says don't matter, that somehow lost their way. I am your friend, Jesus wants to say. Come to my table. Rest here in my garden. What a beautiful expression of the kingdom of God. Mother Teresa was like this in her model and example for our lives. And if she were here today, she would be totally disinterested in posting Instagram stories about her work and her life. She wouldn't necessarily even be the one publicly decrying all the injustice that's being experienced. There are some authors, uh, Muck and Adini, who just write, she didn't organize a movement. She didn't decry the unjust acts of others. She simply helped one person after another. She just saw the person in front of her, and, and she said she found Jesus in the disguise of every person she met. And I, I want to live like that. I want to take that example and allow how we see others to be infused with this radical vision that Peter received from God. But the second inner transformation that Peter went through, it changes how he saw himself. Changes how he saw himself. Peter, in his encounter with Cornelius, learned something about himself that he could, in good faith, actually enjoy real table fellowship with this Gentile. Think about this Gentile, this person that till yesterday he was like is unclean, untouchable, but is now a brother or sister. Isn't that a profound thought that he had to have a different vision of his own way of looking at the world and how he lived? So many of us live with pressure from society to conform and be like those around us or live with a vision in our heads of who to associate with. And Jesus wants us to break these kinds of social limiters and spiritual community limiters. It's no wonder that from this point in the gospel, actually Kevin pointed this out in his message last week, that Peter begins to fade and the Gentile stories take over. We really don't hear much more about Peter except that we see how he is shaped by the cross and about selflessness as he writes his epistles later and ends up being crucified before he dies. Perhaps the reason Luke takes so much time to tell Peter's story is that it is such a difficult turning point for all of us who claim to follow Jesus. Have I wrestled with selfishness slash selflessness? Is this life about me? Or is it about what Jesus can do in all of us together? Have I let the Lord cause a deep inner transformation in me as I think about myself and others? In this way, the text is about not showing favoritism by looking up at some and looking down at others, but that we also see ourselves on an even playing field with everyone we encounter and see Jesus in one another and serve one another. In our community, yes, but also in our circles, in our family, work, friendships, and here at Royal City Mission. As we take in this word today, 
Would you simply choose to center in on God's urging to embrace selflessness? John Wesley wrote this covenant prayer. And if you can read these words with me on the screen, let's say them together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. Imagine the sheet that God would give you a dream of today. Imagine people that you might think of as unclean that God simply wants to show you today. What does it look like to imagine that the restored relationship with God made possible through Jesus is for everyone you meet? Regardless of race, ethnicity, age, gender, orientation, or ability. There's an event happening here in this amazing work of God. This is God's church and God's movement. And if we hold back from those we deem unclean, we miss out how God is desiring to see his new community advancing among all people. I love how the book of Acts ends. And these last words of the book of Acts talk about, use a word called unhindered. And that is that Paul stayed two years in his rented quarters as he's in Rome. And he, was welcomed all, he welcomed all who came to him preaching in the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. And, and that without hindrance there is just giving that liberally to everyone who came to him. What a beautiful picture that this legacy carries on in the Apostle Paul. Not, you got to look like this, you got to say these things, etc. Any culture can follow Jesus. And so I want to finish up with this picture. If, if you go out these doors and rather than go down the stairs... If you just look up the stairs, there's actually a felt uh, um, tapestry hanging of this work of art. And Andre Lublev uh, did this work. It's the three visitors. But it's a, it's a vision of three visitors that came to see Abram. But Rublev did this work in order that we, and when we look at it, we're invited to the table. And the three visitors are representative of Rublev of the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, together in community, welcoming everyone to the table. So everyone who looks at this picture would be invited to the table. What a great gift God has given us. And I don't want you just to imagine yourself sitting at the table, inviting others. I want you to imagine your life with Jesus as Father, Son, Spirit, and other people sitting at the table, and you're invited in to have fellowship together. It isn't just you and other people. It is that God is with them there. Imagine going to your people 
in Jerusalem and advocating for those whom God is creating space for within his kingdom. What a vision of a beautiful new community. A vision for a wider world that, that we as followers of Jesus could be known, could be known as those who desire and work for the fair treatment and involvement and inclusion of all people into God's story and the fullness of life for every person. That's the richness of Jesus' table. That's the transformation that happened in Peter. And that's the transformation God wants to continue through each of our lives. So may we be blessed as we continue to think on these things and continue to live for God. I wonder if you would just take a moment of quiet reflection in what God is speaking to you today and then I'll close our time and in prayer this, that our formal service will come to an end, but you are welcome to continue to stay and uh, connect with one another. So let's just take a moment of quiet prayer and then I'll close. Lord, thank you for meeting us where we are today in this kind of awareness of how you're building the community and everyone's invited. Lord, would your challenge ring in our ears this week? Would it be in our eyes as we see others? Would you help us to walk it out and to visualize you with others inviting us in? God, would we have that sense of how you are building a new community in and through us. Forgive us, Lord, for when we have looked at others in other ways. Bring us to places of vision and transformation in, our, in how we see others and how we see ourselves. So that, Lord, there will be more and more added to your table. And that in doing so, we'll have the right heart, the heart of Jesus, as we live in fellowship with one another and those not yet represented. For your sake we pray, amen.